Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you, as always, for joining the sports podcast. A lot to discuss on today's show. We're into March already. I talk with my good buddy, Matt Wittenberg, about some sports topics, including J.J. Watt signing with his Arizona Cardinals, the arms race that division is becoming, which also includes the turmoil with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, which we touch on. We talk NFL free agency, some hockey, NHL news and notes as that season is ramping up. And we also talk a little MLB spring training. And then I talk UFC, switch topics completely, 259, a loaded card to say the least. And we flip it and talk old school with a guest from a couple years ago, Jennifer Hanna, a friend of mine as well, that is also uh, as knowledgeable on ultimate fighting as uh, anybody we talk we laugh we joke we disagree a lot it's, it's a good one as well it's matt wittenberg and jennifer hannah on today's show let's get it going all right another episode of the money mitch effect and uh a lot to talk about in this early march 2021 mitch michaels here joined now by longtime reoccurring guest on the show matt wittenberg matt thank you for joining uh and no this isn't just because you got jj watt i did have some other things to talk to but we can get the we can get the uh the good part the celebration out of the way at the beginning thanks again for joining the show of course that's why i thought i got the uh the invite back was because of the uh jj news but it was definitely an uh unexpected thing to see uh monday morning i mean obviously with all of the rumored teams with your Browns in the mm-hmm. mix and Buffalo and Tennessee with the potential, uh, Mike Vrabel reunion was sort of in the off, uh, even green Bay and going back home. But yeah, I honestly, I didn't entertain it too much other than Deandre Hopkins's um, Instagram post with him and JJ Watt in the Photoshop jerseys. I was like, Oh yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But didn't think too much of it, but I'm couldn't be more stoked about it. I mean, it's a lot of money to commit to an older player, but as long as he's healthy, um, I think it's well worth the investment, especially pairing him with Chandler Jones on the other side. I mean, talk about a shot in the arm for that defensive line and the pass rush. So I'm pretty excited. So what was it? It was two years, about 31 million, 15 a year, I think around that ballpark. Yeah, 31. Uh, I I have a couple thoughts. One being, I know he said, you know, he made some comments about not just going for the money and then, you know, taking the highest offer. I don't necessarily think that that's, that should ever be judged. First of all, obviously, you know, you have a market for your, for your services and looking at that market. I mean, the way the NFL is the parody of the league, it's not like he's, you know, I don't want to bash anybody, but it's not, you know, going to, to Jacksonville or, or a, or Mm -hmm. a bottom of the barrel team. I mean, yes, it's, the Cardinals, and, and we can get into this as well, they play in a tough division. Nothing's guaranteed. Missed the playoffs last year. Look like they're on track to have a bright future. But, you know, it was an interesting decision. I think one that caught a lot of people off guard just because there were signs we would think with that, you know, maybe he wants to play with his brothers in Pittsburgh. Thank God that didn't happen. Maybe he wants to go back yeah. to the Titans or, and go to the Titans and play for his former D.C. Mike Rabel. But at the end of the day, I don't know how this fit's going to work in terms of a scheme. I just know that Watt's still a talent. And maybe, you know, maybe the deciding factor in all this wasn't DeAndre Hopkins, wasn't necessarily the Arizona organization. It's just a guy like Chandler Jones and Watt being able to play with him and not, you know, having to be the man on the D-line and being able to contribute and, and maybe not necessarily be the anchor, but be a key piece. I think that may be a piece to him. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely agree with that. And his most productive years in Houston, I feel like, is when he was paired up with uh, Jadevi and Clowney on mm. the other side. So having those two guys, one of them, I mean, you can't double team both of them. So one of them's going to have a chance to get a free rush on the quarterback. And he did play for the Cardinals. DC Vance Joseph was in Houston yeah. the early part of JJ Watt's career. So I'm sure there was some familiarity there. And a little bit of a comfort factor with knowing what type of system that he'll be uh, stepping into. So, I, I mean, cheap, pretty cheap housing in Arizona, pretty nice weather. So, I mean, a team with a young quarterback that seems promising. So, a lot of the uh, good factors in there. But, yeah, I guess not necessarily the one team that you would pick, like, to be a mock contender for the Super Bowl next season, like some of those other teams that were sort of rumored to be where he was looking. But, I mean... Whatever, put it over the top, I'll take it. I'll, I'm excited to see him go to work and see what this team could do. It's interesting that he was. I, I saw it still double-teamed about 30% of the time last year. I know Houston was pretty bad, but that's more than any team, more than any player in the league, so still yeah. commanding that double-team, which you think they're not able to do with Chandler Jones, assuming hopefully both are healthy. I don't think the money is yeah, the bigger that's issue. that's the question. Yeah, I don't think the money is the bigger issue in terms of uh, – you know the years. Two years is a, is a fair for the Cardinals. It's not committing, you know, multiple years to an aging uh, aging player. But that brings to that brings to uh, us another point here, and that's you know the team and the Cardinals itself going forward. And we had talked about this, and you know the talent is is coming along. There's some key pieces, but your concern isn't necessarily with the talent now, is it? No, no, we actually pulling the curtain back had a discussion about this earlier this week and we're both kind of on the same pages that neither of us are sold on cliff kingsbury being the guy to lead the team forward i mean they took some big strides from year one to year two but still it felt like there was so much like left out on the field and a lot of missed opportunities that came down to coaching a couple of games that were infuriating losses the Dolphins game with late game clock management situation same against the um, Patriots that's two losses left on the field against teams that I guess Miami was pretty good but still it should have been a win and you missed the playoffs by one one game Kyler Murray gets injured against the Rams and you lose them in the back of quarterback in week 17 it's just not the not the note that you want to end the season on and a lot of that I think like I alluded to is just in-game coaching not being up to snuff, especially late in the game. So he definitely needs to take the biggest stride out of anyone in the organization going into this next year. It'll be his third year. So I think that if he doesn't make the playoffs, that's going to be a really hot seed, and that might be the end of him in Arizona. So we'll see. Well, the unfortunate news, as you probably know, is that this isn't the best division to, to, <laughs> to have a coaching uh, deficiency to be playing catch-up. Based on the other coaching yeah, exactly. coaching uh, strengths in this division, which is it's it's utterly fascinating how this is going to pan out. There's no guarantees for any of these teams, but I think talking to me right now, it wouldn't necessarily shock me. This is probably the only division I could say this for that if any one of these teams actually won the division next year, I don't think I would be surprised. And, and I mean no, this honestly. A good that, assessment. There's some pieces that have to shake out. There's some moves that have to be made. There's some things that have to pan out, but the Rams just overhauled their quarterback position. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. 
the Niners, I, I, I think, supremely high of uh, Kyle Shanahan and what he can do. Are they satisfied with Jimmy G? How are they going to replenish on the defense without their D coordinator, Salah, in New York? And then Seattle, which is dealing with the Russell bomb, which we're going to get to in a second. But I do think that Arizona is in the mix. And, you know, whether Kingsbury can manage his, you know, manage his late game situational football remains to be seen. If Kyler can stay healthy, if he can, you know, take a page out of Russ's book and other quarterbacks that have learned not to just get lit up every so often. I think the second half of his season will, will be great because the first half was amazing. He was a legit MVP candidate and uh, injuries and you know, falling off a little bit you know, uh, hurt him. So I, I think that this is a great move for you guys. I think it's exciting. It adds to the deepest division in football. And uh, I'm excited from the outside to see how it shakes out. Yeah, me too. I mean, going back to the coaching point, the three other guys, three other head coaches in the NFC West have all gone to the Super Bowl. So mm. you definitely have an uphill climb in that in that regard. So it's yeah, you got to catch some breaks with health, of course. And then if Kyler can progress like he did from year one to year two into year two to year three, then it's we're gonna have a shot. That's for sure. And just there's a whole lot of unknowns too, I guess with all three other teams' quarterback situations, how does Stafford adapt to McVay's offense and being in a new situation for the first time in his career? What does the Jimmy G situation shake out to be? And then obviously the one that we're going to get to on Ross and that conundrum. So it's a good outside looking in for sure. It's like the most interesting divisional race. They all have been to the Super Bowl, but they don't have that Arizona house with the window that overlooks everything. So maybe and the fireplace and the fireplace. <laughs> maybe Pete Carroll does. I don't know. He's been around a while. He could have property there. Uh, I do want to mention now the the Seahawks because this did come out of left field, and maybe it came out of left field. Maybe it shouldn't have, based on how things were trending in the NFL with some quarterbacks. High, high profiled, even saying that they wanted to change the scenery, organizations willingly moving on from quarterbacks and their quote unquote prime like never before. But with, not with Russell Wilson. He's, for lack of a better term, boring with a lot of his quotes and low maintenance in a lot of ways. <laughs> but he really, you know, shocked a lot of people, myself included, by saying, look, I, I don't, I'm not guaranteed to be here. Things have to change and I would be open to playing somewhere else on the surface. Just hearing that announcement from Russ, were you in that camp of shocked, or did that start to kind of make sense a little bit to you? Yeah, on the surface, when it first came out, definitely more shocked because, like you kind of allude to, his interviews are always pretty vanilla. He gives the uh, go Hawks. the cliched <laughs> answers, go Hawks, exactly. So he just, and it seemed like he and Pete Carroll had a really good relationship too. So you never really put, would have pegged him to be a guy to speak out and ruffle the feathers out there. So. But when you look dive into it, that athletic article, which was really well written about just the dysfunction with the offensive line, not being able to run the offense that he wanted to, with them relying more on like a running ball control type offense, which like Pete Carroll absolutely loves. So from that standpoint, it does make a little more sense. But it's just like at this point, what do you expect them to do with him? Like, does he really think that he's going to get dealt? I mean. That's sort of like the Deshaun Watson question right now, too, is I guess how much quarterback, how much power do the quarterbacks have to dictate these moves? And I guess even to a lesser degree, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers voicing some dissatisfaction with the way things ended last year in Green Bay. So it is weird just that it came from Russ for sure. 
the Rodgers thing, it, it still is it still is rooted in the fact that they took a first round pick on his replacement. I mean that yeah, is that's, that's forcing your hand for for sure. Uh, I think that he brought some good points, but let's be honest here. Russ does bring some of this on his on on himself by some of the for plays sure. he makes or doesn't make, and you know I, I agree that the line needs to be improved, that he needs to take less hits overall. But whose fault is that? I'm not really sure. And, and the point that's kind of like you know what are we doing here, Russ? Is then you know people that are related to Carol, like his kids, and saying you know the organization and, and all that. Like that's how it works. <laughs> that's that's yep. how it works at this mm-hmm. at this level. So at this industry, so. Uh, that's not surprising. Uh, what is surprising, though, is that the team really has been, you know, hasn't really had a bad year. I don't think they've gone under 500 since Russ has been there. So Deshaun Watson being in his situation, a team that's, you know, coming off 4-12 and 12 and out of their first-round draft picks and just traded away the best skill player in, in that division, that I understand. Very thankful for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas from Bill O'Brien. He'll get a card from you every year. But in serious, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> It's like Russ has never really even experienced that. So if I was a Seahawks fan, now I, now my big concern would be what happens if we have a seven and nine, six and ten year, which can happen mm-hmm. to good teams. All it takes is an injury or two, or a, a bad break in the schedule. What if that happens? Then Russ might really demand his way out. Yeah, and I mean, as far as like him complaining about being hit too much, he's like in the wrong division for that. Especially, I mean, Cardinals just added J.J. Watt to the defensive line, and they got Chandler Jones there. The 49ers are going to get Nick Bosa back and healthy. We know what a terror Aaron Donald is for the Rams. I mean, there's no breaks in the division schedule as far as dealing with the pass rush. So if that's his biggest concern, then that might be a long season for him. Mitch Michaels and uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. I uh, I agree with that, and I think that the more this offseason shakes about, it really just taught me that, that the NFL is a year-round game because the, it's oh, yeah. a storyline every week, every day almost. Uh, I do want to spend a quick moment on my team, the Browns, because reading up on their offseason, it's centered around a, a major conundrum. Now, everybody knows in, in Cleveland that you need to upgrade the defense. I mean, that's common knowledge at this point with – the line coming back with Baker, not quite at that contract year, but getting closer. Mm-hmm. The big conundrum is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And the Browns, while they may have cap issues, uh, could save $15 million or put it more you know, directly, could reallocate $15 million with potential help and reinforcements to the defense if they decide to move on for Odell Beckham and maybe the bigger point if they find a taker. Now, I got to admit, this is a, an intriguing thing. I don't know that I'm there yet. I don't know what the market looks for a guy like him coming off the injury. But this is going to be a real decision that the Browns have to make in the months to follow. Wow, yeah, that is a really good question for sure. Um, especially with all of the free agents that the Browns have this offseason too. And Ogan Joby and then um, even Rashad Higgins is going to be a free agent yeah, too. That, so. That's a very underrated one because he's basically making... Baker he basically, loves him. He basically made league minimum the last couple of years. That's not going to happen again. Now, what does he want? What's the market look like? How bad does mm-hmm. he want to stay there? Uh, big questions for Hollywood in that regard. But And Joku still is unhappy and probably... He doesn't have control in this. The Browns have his option, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's on his way out. So there could be some real turnover. But at the end of the day... As great as Miles Garrett is, uh, and as you know, sixty-four inch box jump notwithstanding, the Browns need to give yeah, him some help. <laughs> I know that's that's uh, that's taller than a lot of human beings, but they uh, they need to give him some help. The linebacking crew was uh, 
you know, porous at times. And the secondary has some bodies coming back, but all recovering from injuries in the case of Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit, who didn't even have a rookie year out of LSU because of that Achilles injury. So, you know, for them to accomplish what they want to accomplish, you know, look at the Super Bowl champs. It's always a good metric. The Bucks had Brady, but they had a great defense that was loaded with young oh, talent. Yeah. That's what the Browns need to accomplish. How they get there, that's going to be the roadmap. But it may involve, it may have to involve, sadly, moving on from OBJ. Yeah, and then you look at how well the team performed last year and made the playoffs, had the big win over Pittsburgh, so they're picking 26 in the first round. You can't count on that top 10, top 15 pick that you guys usually have been able to. I mean, I, that's definitely a good thing. It shows that you're going in the right direction, but as far as loading up on an instant impact guy in the first round, that's no guarantee at 20. Well, it's not a guarantee anywhere, to be honest, but your chances of hitting on that are a little slimmer. And I think the Okajobi free agency is definitely one of the more underrated mm-hmm. names out there because he did a lot of good things, especially yeah. in taking up space right in the middle and letting Miles Garrett get more of the one-on-one type matchups that he was getting. So, And then I guess Olivier Vernon kind of didn't live up to the big uh, free agent contract that you guys gave him, but yeah. still that that's another body that might need to be replaced. The uh, free agency is going to be interesting. I just want to bring up this point that uh, across the league, receivers, it's an interesting class with Godwin out there with Allen Robinson. Uh, Allen Robinson, who, by the way, Wit, I looked this up because we were talking about him the other day, as under the radar as it gets, only Stephon Diggs has more yards than him in the last two years. That's ridiculous. <laughs> with, like, I mean, yeah. he's yeah. still so consistently good, even like that going back to Jacksonville and then where he is now in Chicago, just yeah. being with subpar quarterback. Yeah. So you want, you got to have a feeling that the Brown or the bears would want to franchise tag him, but that's still like a lot of money to dedicate to a guy for one season. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster and Pittsburgh's yeah. free agent too. So it's a loaded class. That's the position that's interesting. And, and oh, by the way, the rookie receivers come in hitting the ground running. It's been a renaissance the last couple of years there. So, Loaded loaded draft class, too. We've got <laughs> Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of guys that go early and make an impact in the rookie year. Well, we're going to later uh, later on, probably closer to the actual draft, discuss those things. But uh, I'm seeing five quarterbacks taken in the first round, and, and it may be about that same number in receivers in the first round. It's that deep. So, Yeah, I can see that for sure. It's going to be crazy. Uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. I want to get to uh, some other sports uh, in a second. I want to talk a little baseball, but first up, uh, I got to give credit to where credits due, and uh, you know, talk a little bit about some other sports as well. And uh, haven't had my haven't had my hockey fix in a while. Maybe that's because, with sadly, I just don't think tequila is going to be in my spring this year. Uh, it just isn't happening for my Blue Jackets. So they did win tonight while we record this, but uh, not looking good as far as your Coyotes look. It's going to be a tight one. Uh, that That's where I'm at. It's going to be a, uh, a photo finish for them is my ultimate prediction. But to be honest, uh, in a regular season in this format where there's eight teams playing each other all the time, mm-hmm. it's been very, very interesting to see how the hatred just builds, like when the Blues and Coyotes play a seven-game series. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to see that again in sports, really. It's just, yeah, such an interesting dynamic. And then... Uh, out west, it's it's a tough division, and the Coyotes' talent's just about average. So, I mean, I'm hoping that they can get over the Kings here the next couple games. So, 
that would definitely go a long way, especially getting confidence against them because they're suddenly hot now. So yeah, that's, yeah, um, that's crazy. <laughs> obviously not holding out hope for a deep playoff run if they make it. I mean, Vegas clearly the class of the division. So yeah, I mean, following from afar, it's uh, probably overly optimistic to hope for a good playoff run. Well, I would also just, just want to add what basically happens in the NHL season is, is a lot of the same, but it's really magnified here. Each team is each is an, each division has eight teams in it, or seven or eight teams or whatever, because uh, seven in the Canadian division. And you'll have two teams run to the top, and about you know one or two teams run to the top, one or two teams run to the bottom, and then you'll have just that middle ground where it's going to take yeah. till the end of the Don't year, matter. depending on. You know, depending on how many games are played, percentage of games played might actually be the tiebreaker as well if certain teams like Dallas, for example, can't get all their games in. But, you know, what you want to be is just in that three to six range and, and have a chance. You know, games played is going to keep adding up. If anything, I think it's more direct for these teams. They don't have to worry about any wild card scenarios or anything. It's just getting to the top four. That's all you have to worry yeah. about. You're not you're not playing any math outside or thinking what the combinations are. It's just getting the top four. Yeah, that's the stick is. If you can get on ahead of the four or the three California teams, then then you have a shot for sure. Probably not going to catch Minnesota or Colorado just because how talented those teams are. But we can hang ahead of the Kings for a while, and then I mean, the Ducks and Sharks are kind of battling now at the mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel right now. But for my hockey rooting interest yeah. this year, I think it's all just going to go on. Uh, Scottsdale's favorite son, Austin Matthews, and the work well, um, he's been doing up in Toronto. Yeah, uh, one second on him because first of all, I do think <laughs> I have a lot to say about him. Uh, Minnesota is a team that surprised a lot. I think they're the team you could catch. Colorado is kind of hit a little bit of a rough patch, but it seems like they're able to turn the corner. The Blues have been banged up, but yeah, Vegas is the class. So I think the I think the Kings, Wild, and uh, Coyotes race for four will be interesting, but. You mentioned yep. it. The Canadian division is like their own little world. I've watched a lot of that. It's been exciting. Uh, and, yes, the leading goal scorer in the National Hockey League was born in Scottsdale, Arizona. Just throwing How that out that? there. Austin Matthews. He's been great. I think he's a, a clear top five player in the NHL right now. Uh, I, I'm still putting McDavid up there. And uh, I would say McKinnon would be two, but probably Matthews three would be my third pick right now for a wow. player in the league, which is something for his age. And this Toronto team actually has toughness now. Matthews and Marner and those guys were always very highly skilled, but they went out and they got big, mean, physical guys to bolster their lineup, and it's showing. I mean, they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10 in the, uh, the class of the league right now. So for a team that hasn't really made a, a run of anything, hasn't won a playoff series yet, Dare I say, it's going to be a very disappointing thing if they don't at least come out of the Canadian division into that final four spot. Yeah, I'd be, even just like I said, looking at the game in from afar as I follow it from the periphery, but it's just, yeah, that that team's playing on another level right now, and I'm obviously biased and happy to see how well uh, Austin's doing. A little bitter, well, actually a lot better that the Coyotes didn't score their number one pick that draft. Cause I can't imagine what, what a boon that would have been for the team and the whole franchise. So, But I'll be happy to see him having success wherever it is. Well, here's the thing. He's only 23 years old. A lot of hockey left. I wouldn't close the yep. book yet on him playing 
for the Yotes. Now, hopefully sooner rather than later. That's not an aging Austin Matthews there, but... Yeah, it's not like a farewell tour, sign no. for a two-year thing no. at the end of his career. No. I, I think, no, but you're right. Yeah. I'm 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 very impressed by how well he's played and uh you know those three guys I named by the way who are my top three players in the league right now were all first overall picks so <laughs> there there's yeah. a reason why it's not you know it, it's not a shock that these three have panned out the way they have but uh it's been exciting um all right wit time to talk a little baseball I know well one of us is excited one of us is just like <laughs> is not out. excited it feels left out uh, but we'll talk about spring training. It started this week, and uh, right off the get-go, the defending World Series champs, the Dodgers, uh, looked pretty impressive for spring training purposes. We know what that means, but I was just impressed by how Bauer looked, and I think that's the, the one thing people are going to look for and try to take away is how the new guy fits in uh, to his new team. And uh, for Trevor Bauer, it was uh, more than a excellent debut. Yeah, I mean, talk about talking about J.J. Watt being a surprise, signing Trevor Bauer was a big-time surprise for me this offseason. I just I mean, I just didn't think that they would want to mess with too much with the chemistry of the team that obviously won it all a year ago. But, I mean, they have the money, so why not? You see what San Diego did with adding uh, Darvish and Snell. So I guess I'm, I don't think that move gets made if, uh, if the Padres stand – fan pat with their guys so i'm pretty thankful for that and just like the main thing though is having all of that starting pitching depth because you know injuries are going to happen like it's such a long season but having like a rotation you can fill out with like eight guys off the top of your head is unmatched and that's what makes the team so dangerous and he doesn't have to be the side young guy he was in Cincinnati no. last year, but if he's even close to that then you say that the signing's worth it I think Kershaw is a big beneficiary to this because it, it, this has got to be the least pressure he's had, not just because they won last year, but like you mentioned, the yeah. it's scary. And David Price didn't pitch at all last year because he opted out, so just mm. being able to plug him in as, I guess, your number four starter. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's insane. And not even to mention the young guys with Urias and Dustin May and Gonsolin, all guys who pitched big innings in the playoffs last year. So, it, yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches. I'm really happy just uh, just throwing that out there. And sad that they lost Kike. Uh, less sad that they lost Jock. So, <laughs> we'll see. I think that lineup's still going to be pretty scary, though. Well, I was going to try to bring you down because you're all excited and do word association, Kenley Jansen, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, well, there you go. That's the one way to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. Hey, no team's perfect, and uh, look no further than the Dodgers' closer for the answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> They're responsible for a lot of uh, blood pressure spikes over the last, I don't know, five or six October. So, But thankfully, they got over the hump and We'll see if they need to use uh, Urias as the playoffs closer from now on because he looked pretty damn good this this last postseason. I think it's interesting that uh, as strong as the Dodgers look, clearly look like the best team in baseball, though there is still a full season to play. I think it's interesting that the National League has kind of dwarfed the AL in a lot of depth area. Would you agree with that? It just seems like, in addition to the Dodgers, you have the Padres and, and Slam Diego building their roster, locking up Tatis. The Cardinals made moves. 
uh, <laughs> made the move Atlanta's somehow. Still good. Atlanta's still good. Yeah, I mean, even even teams that underachieved last year, Philly was able to kind of keep some of its pieces. So I actually think the NL has struggled in depth for a lot of years, but this might be one of the strongest classes they've had. Yeah, it'll be a tough uh, tough road through the playoffs. And even, I'm sorry to bring it up, but the Mets getting uh, Francisco Lindor. Oh, so dare you. No. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> you knew it had to be brought up eventually. Yeah, yeah. So. No, we'll, it's true. That... Always a lot of high expectations for them, too. So we'll see if them and their pitching staff can live up to them, too. Yeah, I uh, I know that the one series you don't want in the playoffs is Dodgers Cardinals, just for a lot of nightmares no, and, and <laughs> a lot of old, <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, incidents in the past there. Uh, but no, yeah, the Mets are in that mix too. You know, who's not in the mix in the AL is the Cleveland Indians. So I'm just going to throw that out there now. And it was I was wondering how it could get any worse. Actually, just sitting this week, like man, I wonder how I can get less thrilled, how I can get less worse. And then uh, you know the Callaway Francona stuff happened. So. Great, phenomenal! Yep. Just diving right into baseball season, baby. Get excited. Might as well take twenty twenty one off, and then while well, the whole Shane Bieber catching COVID in the off season, mm. not being able to report to spring training on time. It's a tough one. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of good well, silver lining for you, unfortunately. It's not happening. Uh, you- no, go ahead. Had some good runs. Oh. Um, they should have won the World Series, if we're, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. I was I was pulling for you guys very hard that year. Yeah. Um, always liked. Uh, I know he's not there anymore. I liked my boy Kipnis when he was there, the mm. former Sun Devil. So, yeah, I like Bieber. He's he's good friend of the show. Um, yep. Ramirez. Yeah. Love J Ram. <laughs> yeah, Well. That's the catch the fever. That's, that's shout out, like shout out to the Dolans. Thank you. Catch the fever this year. Great job. Uh, <laughs> no, but I do think the the storyline for me for baseball this year, um, shockingly, how the Red Sox have just kind of fallen off. But the Yankees obviously look like a very strong team. I, I think the team, the Rays are going through some issues. I'm excited actually to see what the White Sox have because that division, as I know, yeah. has not been very strong. They have the young talent and they have Tony La Russa managing it. So. That that combination is crazy to begin card. with, but that is a good team. And if it does work, which there's absolutely no guarantee it does, but if it does work, I would absolutely consider them a uh, a uh, sleeper to do some real damage. Yeah, they got a scary uh, scary lineup. I mean, Tim Anderson, Abreu won MVP last year. Grandal is probably the best hitting catcher in the game. Um, and then the step that Lucas Giolito has been able to take as an ace is yeah. something about SoCal kids. So, Another one, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the te- one of the teams to watch in the AL. I'd say them and the Yankees. And, um, yeah, that's I, that's my pick right now, them and the Yankees. Just think all the – I think Tampa's going to fall off a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know about – Houston, and I hope they fall off a lot. They lose uh, Springer. The Blue Jays might be a fun team to watch this year with all yeah. their young Vlad Jr. They add Springer, Vlad, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, all just stocking up on all the famous old players. I know. Kids. They, they, so, they scouted we'll early. They, they, they scouted all the uh, the Bat Boys at the All-Star Games, and it worked out. Uh, yeah, no, I think Toronto could be fun as well. There's a void there in that AL East for sure. Um yeah, and just think of all the talent you could put together on a SoCal pitching rotation. That's the other thing I was thinking. Just like it's just insane. Yep, yep. You got uh guy in the Cardinals, I forgot his name. 
when they were all on the same staff with Lucas Giolito. Uh, who? Yeah, who was uh, which? Yeah, he was on. Why can't I think of his? Oh, Freed, right? That's the one I'm thinking of. But he's on Atlanta. Yeah, Matt Freed yeah, was yeah. on that staff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, crazy. Bauer be on there, Bieber yeah, for sorry, sure. Sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Bauer, Bieber, uh, I think Please X from here. A lot of Indians, former Indians. Um but yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going Garrett on. Garrett Cole. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of uh pitches from here. All right, uh Wit, this has been a blast. Uh real quick before I let you go. March Madness. I just need some initial thoughts going in. Uh, I guess Michigan looked good until tonight, but then they got housed. Baylor lost to Kansas, but I feel like that's going to happen. Gonzaga's undefeated but hasn't played anybody. Anybody else yep. we should look out for? Who Who do you think is going to be the factors coming up for March Madness? Man, what a weird year, just with like all of the blue bloods really falling off. Duke might not make the tournament. Michigan State might not make the tournament. Kentucky, they, they'll probably make it, but it's just, yeah, what a weird year. Uh, very disappointing night. Arizona State Sun Devils were not making the tournament unless we win the Pac-12. Um, I'm all in on the Zags train. I want them to get their first title. Mark Hughes been there forever. Uh, represent for the West Coast because mm-hmm. haven't had too many titles out here lately, yeah. especially in college sports. So, or the major college sports, I should say. So that's that's where uh, my head's at. Haven't lost the game, obviously. Like you said, not the best competition, but. That's where I'm going off of. There's no rhyme or reason for uh, March Madness to begin with anyway, so where no. are you leaning? Well, I, I'm not leaning Buckeyes. They got beat by Michigan. I think I'll be I'll, – I'll, I'm really going to celebrate, though, if they don't get in Gonzaga or Baylor's region. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's where if they the, – and, and Michigan is the is the three of those ones, and, and you know, those mm-hmm. probably – you know, Illinois might even be up there now, but um, – it's definitely a, a drop there, so I think getting in is not. And I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Gonzaga is going to be tough. It's a weird year, and, and in weird years, we've seen the teams with the most talent, the teams with the best programs, the best systems across all sports win. So I think it is pointing yep. towards Gonzaga. You know, they're put together in a very, in a very well way. And I actually wouldn't mind to see some chalk this year, just so we can get you know high quality matchups. Uh, I think there will be some upsets, yeah. but it would be good to get that Gonzaga Baylor matchup. And obviously, as long as Michigan doesn't win, I'll be happy. <laughs> there you go. Very well said. I, U of A is ineligible because that's uh, great. They're, not, that. good at, they're yeah. not good at following the rules, so <laughs> that, that's a win off the back for for me. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll just be enjoying it, filling out a bracket randomly. Mm-hmm. Like this will probably be the most random bracket. That oh, yeah. I filled out, so which might be a good thing because I haven't done very well in the past following shock. So, yeah, we can help. And if the Billikens can just go on a run in the A10, then they can get in too because uh, it's possible. There we go. March Madness. Let's have see. A, have that Billikens uh, Sun Devils uh, bubble busters take a couple goods away. That might be the darkest match. Uh, the the darkest, most meanest, extreme uh, mascot battle. A sun devil yeah. and just a billikin yeah, that's, you know, people are already scared of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that should be great. Um, all right, Matt Wittenberg, fun as always. Thanks for coming on the show. Won't be long until uh, we're counting down the days to college football, so we'll have to do that again. Yeah, Thanks again. can't wait. Thanks Top again. 12 schedule finally out today. Oh, so <laughs> good to see. So good to see a normal schedule. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect.
Our huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg again for hopping on today's show. A lot to discuss with him as always, and we breezed right through it. Uh, the NFL draft is only a month away. I know there's a lot going on in that world, uh, but I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. The QB musical chairs and, of course, progressing towards the start of baseball season with hockey in full effect. So thanks again for Matt Wittenberg coming on. All right, now it's time to talk UFC 259, three title fights. We're going to see Stylebender go for a second belt. We're going to see a lot of different things. Amanda try to further her legacy as a two-belt champ. Bantamweight title as well. Jennifer Hanna, co-worker of mine, friend of mine, she comes on the show to break it all down. It's been a couple years since her guest appearance on this show to talk MMA. Let's see what she thinks about this card. UFC 259 preview now on the Money Mitch Effect. Our big UFC pay-per-view this weekend, and we're going we're gonna to throw it old school from a couple years ago, a guest that hasn't been on in a while, a co-worker of mine that watches a lot of fights, knows more about UFC fighting uh, than just about anyone, but you know, occasionally we'll get some predictions right as well, which is an added bonus. Uh, <laughs> now joining the show, Jennifer Hanna to talk some UFC with 259. Jennifer, thank you for joining. Yes, I am glad to be here. This is great. Okay. okay. <laughs> We've already made a mockery <laughs> of uh, any joke I'm going to tell, so let's just skip the pleasantries and talk about the fight card since we're in the mood let's for fun. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Well, 259 has three title fights on it, and it has a preliminary card that, as we were discussing beforehand, is as good as about any fight night that you're going to find. So looking at it from the outside, gauging your interest in this fight card, maybe how you know, how far you've been looking ahead to this March 6th showdown. I can't think of a deeper card than this from the outside. And uh, I'm just curious to think if you agree or if maybe you think some of these fights will be a little too one-sided to uh, really stand the test of time. Oh, man, that's this is a tough call. I mean, you know that my favorite is Black Beast. So uh, mm. to say that I am more excited about this card then the then the uh, Black Beast fight, it's again hard to call. But this is, um, I mean, it's just so many. First off, there's just way too many fights. Um, <laughs> yeah, that you just, I mean, at least you're getting your money's worth. There's fights I forgot about on this one, and I know you're excited about the Black Beast Blades fight, which you had to be <laughs> through the moon when you know he oh does my what gosh. he does my jaw dropped I, and i couldn't pick it up for like at least 10 minutes same with I mean, blades was, his jaw dropped and he couldn't crazy. pick it up either it's very true very true i think that this the, the depth on this card and you can even go to the early prelims fight where we have tim elliott and jordan espinoza like that gets on at least gets on a prelim very late in the game in a lot of these different cards you have a lot of different ones amanda lamas is, is somebody that i like watch watching fight as well uh, I forgot that uh, Ben Videz is fighting uh, Askar Askarov, which is not an easy fight for him. Uh, so Megan might not want to watch it because I don't think that's going to go well for him. And and somebody like Kara uh, France, who you've been just you know in high heaven, just building up that hype for a while. Well, you know he was on that tough. He was on that same tough that uh, Tim Elliott was on. Mm-hmm. And you know obviously we know Tim Elliott won that season. Um, but Kaikara France, I think he didn't, I don't think he made it very far in that season, but he's a very 
Great High nickname. Energy great, great nickname too. Don't blink. I think that's a good one. That is. I hope uh, Rogerio doesn't blink. Or do I? I think I do. No, but listen, that prelim card, Dominic Cruz is the headliner. I mean, you could, it's either like an amazing card so much that he's on the prelim, or is it a fall from grace? That's a good point. Same, uh, same with Benavides. I mean, he fought for a belt last year, didn't he? He did. He, he, had, uh, he had two fights for belts. Uh, and he got destroyed. Well, one ended up not being for a belt. It was for him because, uh, you know, the missed weight situation. I, I mean, but he got right. crushed both times. Feel, I almost feel like this is he's just trying to help the household out. You know, Megan <laughs> cannot <laughs> be the one in charge all the time. So, you know, he's going to bring home checks, too. Um, OK. All right. <laughs> all right. But. Um, that's a little extreme. I was going to say the last time Style Bender fought, you know who won fight of the night on that card? Benavides. Kai Car France. He won it by oh, getting shit. he won it I'm by getting sure. choked he out. He <laughs> okay. Oh, oh that's, that's right. Great. He had a He won it by getting choked a, out, uh, but it was a great fight. He got that tr- that true guillotine, which is one of my favorites and I think one of your least favorites, but I love a good guillotine choke. And uh Brandon Royval choked him out in what was fight of the night. Oh, and that's right. And guess who, what happened in Brandon Royval's last fight? What happened in, go ahead. The assassin baby assassinated him. He did. Basically. He did. did. Uh, And, you know, not to to look too, too forward, but that fight, I think, has been made for Moreno and uh, what's his name, too. Yeah, it has been made. Uh, it has been made for June. The rematch that was an insane fight. That was one of the few times where I think a draw was warranted, and uh, it was only because of that nut shot that it happened, mm. and that's why it was a draw. Um, what about that draw last week? Yeah, that's. Um, uh, I had a sour taste in my mouth. De La Rosa. Yeah, I, I didn't really much like that. Draw, draws and fighting, I mean, look, it's only a couple rounds, so for it to happen, something funky has to happen, like getting kicked in the in the man region there. So I was okay with uh, the flyweight title one. I'm just going to wonder why uh, Askar Askarov, as good as he is undefeated, how is he allowed to be called Bullet? I thought that was trademarked. It should be trademarked. Um, someone needs to go call his management and straighten that out. That's what I'm I mean, thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I, I don't, you know, he's beaten Tim Elliott by decision. He's twelve zero and one. Had a split draw actually with Brandon Marino, which uh, oddly enough was a uh, interesting uh, decision there. So I, I think, yeah, I think uh, getting a check for his household is one thing, but I do not like, <laughs> I do not like JB in this one. I don't either. I hate I mean, when we agree because I think I'm, I think I'm wrong then if we agree. <laughs> Right, just uh, make sure you don't put any money on no, that one. No, no, we'll get to the bets <laughs> in a that, second. That one's definitely doomed. We'll get to the bets in a second. I just want to say before we talk Cruz in the last prelim fight that uh, one of my favorite fighters is fighting right before him, and I I am on record telling you that I like this guy, and that is Song Yudong, the Kung Fu Monkey, sixteen four and one. He beat Marlon Vera by decision on the Overeem Harris card uh, last year. I like this guy. I like a good nickname, and I like his fighting style, and I like that he's just afraid to—he's not afraid to bring the fight to you, which means he'll eventually get knocked out in brutal fashion. But 
I'm in it for the ride. I'm in well, it for the walk. Is that Kyler Phillips style? I don't really know much about him. Kyler Phillips is another one that I don't really know a lot about, and I think here's the thing. As much as I like Kyler, as much as I like Song Yudong, I really only started liking him because of the, because of the actual nickname. But watching him fight, I, there is some real talent there, and there's a division that is kind of open to the sense that he could make a run. And uh, at his age, I think he's only like 23. Kyler Phillips is a little older, but don't really know much. Is about Bantam him. his uh, his uh, normal uh, weight division? Yeah. Okay. We know where this. I mean, I, not good enough to really contend for a belt, I don't think. But uh, Kyler Phillips, who, yeah, I'm looking at his finish now, and we got some head kicks, we got some elbows, we got some punches, elbows and punches. You know, I feel like he was a tough guy too. He might have been. I mean, I guess most of these are from tough, but yeah, that one is obviously going to be an interesting one to watch, but. When are we going to get to this main card? All right. One more fight. Hold your horses, please. I literally just teased. <laughs> we have to talk about Cruz first. Uh, okay, Cruz and true. Kenny. Uh, Dominic Cruz's last fight was for a title, the same title that's being uh, defended right now uh, on this card, one of the three. And uh, he's fighting Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny, who uh, was in the news recently. I don't know if you heard anything about that, but not for a lot of uh, good reasons. Cruz, mm-hmm. uh, Cruz and Kenny fighting in this in this uh, prelim fight says a lot about Dominic Cruz to me's commitment to to actually wanting to be a fighter because this is a guy that's basically an A-list commentator now on the big pay-per-view calls probably doesn't have the belt in his near near future depending on what happens here I think he's just addicted to fighting Jennifer I really do I think that you could be right about that um he's definitely their best analyst and uh, he likes to make sure that Paul Felder knows it. Um, you think he's better than Bisping? Seriously? <laughs> yes, I do. I think that he he actually looks at it more like a student of the martial arts. Whereas I feel like Bisping, like this la- like the last card, he yeah. was just like he, he wasn't even into that girl fight, the De La Rosa fight, until it started to become like this slugging war then he got excited about the fight whereas you know that second round she really came back and dominated on the Mm ground and you know he didn't really he didn't really say too much about it where i I think if cruz was commentating he would would have seen you know actual technique that was being used so that's why i feel like dominic's a better analyst than this thing yeah and i know that you love that whenever felder talks out of both sides of his mouth, Cruz comes with actual info. Um, oh, yeah, he corrects him. I love it. I he, love it every time. He's used to just dealing with people that need to be corrected. I mean, he, he basically <laughs> went through Team Alpha Male, you know? I mean, imagine imagine doing press with Cody Garbrandt. You'll, you'll learn how to deal with people that aren't <laughs> making true. sense. I, you have to like Cruz for that, in that respect, for sure. I do. Um, I think that he – I don't know – I. I feel like this could be beginning of the end. It him. happens in fighting a lot. I just don't know that Kenny's the guy that's going to, you know, put him out of his misery. I hate saying it like it's old yeller, but you know what I mean? Like I just it will happen. It happens to everybody, but I just I'm not buying the the Kenny as a legit as a legit guy necessarily. So I think Cruz wins this one. He gets a little mojo, which might be the worst thing for Is him. Is it also a decision? Will he be the decisionator? 
I think so. But that's how he fights best, right? By just grinding out rounds and winning them, and you know, not yeah, getting stopped. Yeah, I, I, I had to unfollow him on <laughs> Instagram because at a certain point, you can only see so many videos of his footwork. I mean, yeah, sure, it's weird, it's right? It's all... a little dizzy when he's doing that. It's like a little dizzy. It's like, hey, just for once, can you walk in a straight line? It yeah. is, and I loved it when he utilized that against uh, Garbrandt and Faber. Those were, you know, it annoyed well, Garbrandt, me. It didn't and... work out. Garbrandt, he'd try that, and he got hit in the face multiple times. Uh, didn't didn't they get a didn't they get a rematch? No, he beat Dillashaw, and that was a controversial oh, win, right. but it, it was, was a very Dillashaw. good fight, and, and, and that's a coin flip fight that could have gone either way. Um, Dillashaw, another right. another another uh, spoon stuck in the knife drawer in the when the world event. Yeah, did you hear uh, what's his name call him out the, on this last card? Like he's coming back from a drug suspension. Like, <laughs> is he really going to be in the mix? Yeah, there's a lot going on, but I think this is a good time, though, Jennifer Hanna, Money Mitch Effect, to talk about the main card <laughs> because we've rambled on long enough about the preliminary card, which is which has been good. But this main card has four fight, five fights that I'm intrigued to varying degrees on all of them. The first fight on the main card features a guy that basically had his leg self self the destruct in the octagon while fighting for the light heavyweight title and only lost a yeah, split decision. Yeah, and he almost, he almost yeah. won that belt. This is Thiago Santos coming back. He did almost win that belt. He left in a wheelchair. He had to get literally every ligament repaired in his leg. This is he's not... basically brand new from the waist down. Yeah, he's the Winter Soldier leg edition, and he's not taking an easy fight. Like, this is, no. this is insane. I Rakic, is that how we say his name? Yeah. He, uh, he's like a mirror image of Santos. They're both kickboxers. I think that this is going to be potential. I mean, listen, we look at more of this card. I don't know. Can they have more than one side of the night? I think they can split it. Is that I possible? Think, look, if there's anything you know about UFC is that Dana White makes the rules as he goes, right? Like, we can do whatever we yeah. want. It's the UFC. <laughs> it's the UFC. This is weight, very true. Weight classes, fight of the night, prize money. Who cares? Just make it up. Make it up. Yeah. Um, this is a tough fight. The last time that uh, Rakich fought, he took out my boy Lionheart, Return of the Mac, handily. Mm. Very sad. Mm. Sad for, you know, sad for. That was for... probably over a year ago, wasn't it? Close to it, yeah. I don't think this guy has fought in a while. But Santos' last fight was really disappointing. Yeah. You know, having that performance against John Jones and, mm-hmm. and then nearly the taking that belt away. And then, right, and then getting that loss like he did was really sad. Wait, it was who, sad. You know who his fight was before John Jones? He TKO finished the guy who's defending his light heavyweight title for the main event of this card, so. That just shows you how fast it can happen, right? Um, oh, for sure. I think Tantos is going to lose this one. I just don't see it. Ooh, I think he bounces back. Okay. Especially well, after his fiance just got the just got the W a few weeks ago. I think he's riding riding a, a you know wave towards success. I forgot that him and Yana just you know she mm-hmm. she did get the W. Um, 
God. And that was a tough fight too. God, Wasn't I remember really playing a Brazilian. Like I thought they yeah. were gonna poke each other's eyes out. Oh, then now I know like, where it was I, a drag out. Now I know where I remember her from. It was in twenty eighteen when she fought Cyborg at two twenty two. Three minutes of just oh, death. Cyborg. Yeah, yeah, Miss Cyborg. But um yeah, no. Uh it's cool. We disagree on this one. I like that. It's good it's good uh, Yeah, that means that means that you're probably gonna lose yeah, if you bet money I'm on that. Bet on it, um, for sure. You have to pass that one over. The uh the fourth fight, I guess the one that kind of slides under the radar when you talk about Drew Dober taking on Mikhachev, who trains with uh, a certain Khabib over there in uh, Dagestan. I got to say, Drew Dober continues to impress me. If you really want to impress me, finish this guy because I don't think it's possible. Uh, Dober has been uh, on a little bit of a streak, which is TKO knockouts in the last couple ones. But this is a different level, and this is somebody that's not going to throw with him. So how do you see this fight going? Well, I hope you're right. I'm not a big fan of the Dagestani, <laughs> if you will, that's sort of trying to take over UFC. I can respect their skill and their um, actual ability to do what they do, like basically just drown people in the octagon. But as a fan of the sport, it's just not it's exciting boring. to me. It's boring. Yeah, yeah. it is. And so I am going for anyone fighting against Dagestani um, just because I feel like it would be much more of an exciting fight. I mean, that's, a, that's a little, gen- there's some generalism there that might not be appropriate, but, <laughs> but I get <laughs> the, arg- but I get the argument and I get that this is a boring stuff. The, um, why can't I think of his name right now? There's well, the one guy that's most exciting. He's in that Bantam, uh, Bantam, he's in that. The dude with the beard and the long, uh, the skinny guy. With I, the long every I know. Why can't I think of his Zabit? <laughs> Zabit's the one. He's he's kind of exciting. I actually do think he's a little okay. more exciting. That yeah, said, he seems in the to have a little division. bit more of a of a personality. Just yeah. like um, what's the what's the other guy that is like Dana's BFF now? Dana's B. Uh, oh, oh, Claudia. G- <laughs> <laughs> No, not no. that BFF. No, uh, I don't know. Chim- not... Chimayev, Chimayev. Oh yeah, he retired. Something. He said he retired though, which. Um... Yeah, but then I also read a story that said he hasn't retired. That Dana talked him. He off, needs to take off time off to heal up, which I get. It's been a brutal run of injuries and stuff. Um, he's chechy, and so I don't know what that retirement looks <laughs> looks like for him. But I think he'll be fighting again at some point. Oh, he's gonna be fighting again. He's no Khabib. No, no, Khabib's, yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate, but the belt in the show moves That on. is a retirement that we can all be excited yeah, about. he's going to retire to be a farmer. I mean, nobody can beat him. He did put it great when he said, hey, before the Connor and Poirier fight, hey, does that intrigue you at all, that fight? Maybe one of those guys? He just said, why would that intrigue me? I've choked both of them out already. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a good answer, very real. Yeah, it is. It's real life right there. All right, triple main event on this card. Jen Hanna looking at the Bantamweight title fight. Peter Yan taking on Aljamain Sterling. I actually like Sterling. I've been a fan of his for a while, and I just don't see it happening. And I just don't see it happening. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> as much as as much as you like him, he's not going to get this belt. 
The the submission. I mean, the Funkmaster has had some pretty impressive wins. The Sanhagen win, which was yeah, almost a year ago now. These guys haven't fought in forever. That was a really great choke out, rear naked choke, first round, just performance by Sterling, really good stuff. You know, he he lost the fight to uh, Moraes, and he's you know he he's got some impressive wins on there, obviously, but. Yeah, the Funk Man, and with with uh, with Peter Yan, I just don't know. I, I just don't know. I think he's at the top of his game right now. And you like that phrase, belt on lockdown. We could have a belt on lockdown situation here. See, I feel like Hatcher could be suffering from, you know, is this his first defense? Or no. is it his second? Uh, it is his first defense, you're right, because he won the title over Aldo last year in what I think was a legal mauling. I don't remember a fight being as yeah, one-sided. Yeah, that, one that one was bad. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that was as close to a murder as we've Well, two witnessed. fights ago, he, he actually almost did murder somebody, and that was Uriah Faber when Faber decided to come back, and he met mm. Peter Yan in the middle of the octagon. This guy's good, and, uh, you know, I know Cejudo will be tweeting about it, getting super cringe. Um, Gosh, someone but, take, his, take his Twitter away. But no, Jan does it all, and he's somebody that's been a slow build. It's taken a while for him to get the recognition that he deserves, but he's put together a great resume. He's rise, he's risen up the ranks, and uh, he is somebody that, while his his, his wrestling is, is top-notch, he's got some heavy fists in there, and uh, I would be very afraid to get in there, obviously, and I think that at 135, he's tough to beat. Um, I think Sterling's got a chance. Because he's such an experienced grappler and he can figure out a way to win, but I don't know if there's if if there's uh, we'll get to what I think about the other fights in a second. But this could be this could be one of the sure thing bets of the night. A, a Jan win in a Jan win before I, decision. Hmm. I don't know. I I think he could suffer from first defense jitters, and I think Sterling has he's got a solid uh, training. A coaching crew behind him that you know they're a little crazy and that's sort of his style yeah i think he could surprise yon with some of his quote-unquote funkiness maybe maybe but and and i'm not <laughs> sterling's only what 31 i think he's he's 31 years old so it's not he seems a lot older because he's been around for quite a bit uh, and his record is very impressive, except for a couple losses there in the middle, and then they mentioned the Morea's loss. Uh, he's been near, in the mix for a while, yet I just don't know. You know, I just I, well, I'm not sure. I mean, it could be a good grappling night for both of them. They're both like they both like to wrestle, and I think Elaine has a pretty good chin. If Jan's able to, you know, make all the um, connections that you think he might make. I think Sterling could outlast that. Maybe. I guess we'll have to find out. Well, Sterling on yeah. that chart. All right. We get, since we have to, we just have to talk about every fight on this card. Uh, the women's featherweight title, Amanda Nunez and Megan Anderson locking horns. Um, look, I mean, I think we all kind of understand how this is going to go. Uh, but I will say this much. Was the, is this not your lock? I mean. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lock, all right. This, I like Megan Anderson. This is a lock. She fights out of uh Basically, Kansas. She fights out of Lee's Summit, which is basically Kansas City, Missouri. James Krause. Don't forget it. No, definitely not. She's uh, 
BFFs with uh, Juan Miles Garrett of your Cleveland Browns. So shout out there. Mm. Uh, Amanda's great goat, best female fighter that we've ever seen. Uh, but I think we can start here. There is, n- I don't think she'll ever fight. I don't ever is a strong word. We won't see Amanda at featherweight for a very long time after this fight. I'm very confident in that. For another year. Who is she going to fight in this division, Jennifer? Nobody else. Nobody else. She's beaten them all and d- dismantled them all. There's not a single person in this division after she after she basically sleepwalks through Megan Anderson, which she will. But there's nobody else in this division for her to fight. Not a single one. There, you're right. We need someone to be born. <laughs> and Four. then even then it'll, it'll be too late. Um, I don't, I mean, what's Dana going to do with this division if the champ you know, doesn't do anything for a year. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a shame. He just ran out the, uh, only person that could give her a legit fight because he doesn't like her in cyborg. That's uh that's unfortunate. Um, it really is. and remember what you were saying about, uh, you know, the Dagestani fighters and how you respect their ability, but you just don't necessarily enjoy it. That's how you feel about it, Amanda. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I, I, I think part of it is, you know, and I get it. As a fighter, she knows how much better she is. She doesn't want to take undue damage. I had this same criticism about, I know it's completely different, apples to, apples to oranges, with Floyd Mayweather in boxing. Like, he was so good and talented, and he understood, look, I can just win without having to just full-on, you know, full-on show every trick in the toolkit. And there are fights that she's mm-hmm. very exciting in. I will say that. That separates her for, from some of the boring, you know, quote-unquote wrestling styles that we've seen. And there's just not competition for her. I mean, Megan Anderson, how should I get excited about this fight? Like, in what world would Megan Anderson win this fight? Can you think of one? Well, I think that the matchup is interesting in that Anderson will be the bigger fighter in there, where Nunes, mm-hmm. I think, is typically always the bigger fighter. Yeah. Um, but we've we've sort of seen this, like when she fought Durandamy. And yeah. I guess sort of goes what to what you were saying was. about it being boring because she just she pulled a she pulled a uh, Khabib on oh no what's her name the Iron Lady or whatever um, and uh, it was super boring but it got the job done that's the only thing I see where Anderson could pose could put Nunez in maybe a situation where she's not really sure what to do and I think that she's definitely prone to like throwing out the strategy and just let the fist fly. And I think, you know, Anderson, she's not, she's no chump, you know, she no, can get I, in there and fight. This is, this um, is somebody she, all that, all she's got to yeah. do is really hit the, hit the right, you know, hit that button somewhere yeah. along her chin, which it could happen. I don't know. Crazier things have happened. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, wow. That's, I still that's, think it's a lock. I it, mean, that's a lock. trying to give Anderson some sort of potential. It's a lock. Uh, minus Plus, she is like a zombie. I mean, she, her skin is so translucent. Uh, it, it's, it's wild. It's like Elator is in the octagon. It's very bizarre. Um, Amanda is a 10-to-1 favorite in this fight for obvious reasons. And Let me ask one more question. Go ahead. Will, will Nunez... Will she bring her baby to this fight? Have you seen her Instagram? Uh, no, she drags actually, this baby shockingly. everywhere. No, 
this baby's at the gym with her. And I'm like, are we not in a pandemic? I mean, do you not want to protect that baby? They, they throw that baby into everything. Wild. I think the baby's going to be there. Is Yeah, it might be. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if Nina's there, first of all. And then we'll see if the baby's there, if they got a sitter or what, mm. you know. I don't know. She got a good. She got a good fight coming up. Yeah, she do does. That? Uh, who's she fighting again? When's Tatiana I fighting again? Is what I want to know. I'm, I made this years. joke to a friend of mine. I was like, Nina got pregnant, had a baby, raised the baby, <laughs> and it's fighting before oh. Tatiana. Is oh, she's fight. fighting uh, Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a solid fight. That's a re- that's a real deal fight for. That is a Nina. good fight. That is a good fight. All right, last fight on the card. So excited for this one. Great main event. Adia Sanya, the style bender, taking on Polish power Jan Blajowicz in a fight that I think will be very, very close. That's where I'm starting with this one. I would never say look for a fight like this because I do think that Izzy is probably the best striker in UFC, any division, mark it down. But he is giving up a lot of weight to a mean, tough fighter that has been on a KO spree recently. And, as pointed out to me by a good friend, he is fighting in the small octagon in the performance, in the performance center. I don't think that fits the style bender style necessarily. Initial thoughts going into this fight. Is he going for champ champ status and Jan Blyowicz trying to defend that title for the first time? What do you think? I think he can do it. I, I think that he's obviously style bender he's he's hard to i think he's hard to train and and you know get a strategy or a game plan against i mean i always have liked whitaker and i thought that he just whitaker stayed to his game plan and clearly it wasn't enough so you know i think that he could definitely take this belt home and I think that I'm okay with that because uh, Blahowitz, whatever, what's his name? Me, pretty much. Blahowitz, Blahowitz, it's fine. Uh, Polish power. I, Polish it, power. He's obviously he's a great fighter, but he's boring. Let's be real. He's super boring, whereas <laughs> Israel okay. isn't. So I'm seeing a theme I mean, here, and I think now I understand why I've <laughs> lost so many bets recently. Uh, I, I think that I think you're right, but the weight difference is huge. The weight, you know, he's not he's really not bulking up for this fight. Jan well, he always said he weight. was fighting for the skinny guys, even when he's in his division. Cool. He's always right. the smaller guy. It's just so cool to actually right. like a Polish fighter now. You know, like it's just so crazy actually. <laughs> it's like a a 180. For yeah, you. exactly. That's exactly what this is. Went from hate to love. Hate to love. With just uh, one fighter. His, his last four, I mean, because he lost to Thiago, which we mentioned, did uh, Bohowitz, if we want to go on that route. He basically has been beating guys he wasn't supposed to ever since. His last four fights were supposed to be stepping stone fights for the other person when you really think about it. Luke Rockhold, remember that name? They're like, oh, yeah, light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. He's going to move. He's going to challenge for the belt. And he knocked him clean out. Then he he's wins. like in the he's like in the all the highlights with the guy getting knocked out, just like James Vick. Yeah, exactly. You know, you all you all got him, and Bywitz got him. <laughs> then Bywitz fights Souza, wins that close split decision. Corey Anderson should have got a title fight, didn't. 
uh, Blaiowicz knocks him out, and then it's Dominic Reyes after he arguably beat John Jones, TKOs to win the belt. So uh, I think this is a guy that's pretty confident in himself, and he loves that underdog role as well. I- I'm with you. Stylebender is so good, so exciting. But I think going up in weight and, and, and fighting somebody like this is an interesting matchup stylistically because how do you beat, you know, how do you beat size with some speed? How do you beat some speed with some size? So I'm, this is truly like, and I know it's not David and Goliath because they're close enough in weight in the same class, but the contrasts are exciting and I'm, I'm really excited to see how it shakes out. I kind of feel like Adesanya is sort of on the trajectory of a Conor McGregor. Like, I don't think Let's people expected him to win, <laughs> to win that. <laughs> I mean, in the ring, not okay. outside. Okay, yeah, yeah, like, okay. Uh, he he seems much more like a normal human, um, but he um, he no one expected Connor to win. I don't think people really expected him to win that belt, that second belt. Um, so I feel like Israel's sort of in that camp. Like I I think that he is the underdog in this fight based on size, but just the um, the the style matchup could win him. This well, should be a close one. I'm going with Polish power. I like it. Interesting. We'll yeah. Sometimes the better fighter wow. doesn't. You know, I think. I think. I think as a pure fighter, Max Holloway better than Dustin Poirier. But he went up and wait, and we saw some things happen that don't happen for Max, mm-hmm. Max Holloway. So use that as an example. <laughs> what do you? Oh, that's bad. Um, <laughs> what do you think this? Uh, goes to second round, third round. Is it a knockout? What's happening? Decision. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say finish late fourth round. Polish power. Oh wow! Let's keep it going. Yeah, that's. Adesanya is undefeated. I know. So all good things come to an end. Uh, and, well, even, this is true. I did want to mention as well. You know, Adi Asanya's last fight before this was Paulo Costa, who went on the excuse train saying he had too much wine the night before. I don't know if you saw, I saw that. that story. Well, my counter to that was it didn't stop John Jones, who did way worse than that. <laughs> mm, that's true. Uh, uh, Costa's going to fight um, Whitaker. And he's going to lose that one, too. Uh, be that as it may, yeah. I, I do think he's going to lose that one as well. Uh, I think, look, this is a great fight, but it's also just a primer, right, for the real fight of the year is going to be for that strawweight title when we finally get the title back to where it belongs. Is that right? Yeah, Rose got robbed of uh, a title shot earlier. She lost on the biggest fluke in not only MMA history, but I want to say oh, sports you mean history. When she almost like died in the octagon, did a hurt neck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fracture I think or whatever. Immortal probably does die. You're right. You know, if it wasn't just for, for Rose's superior. When, yeah. when is that happening? <laughs> I don't know, and it's really irritating me because all these fights are getting married. Oh, this is like your this is like your fantasy fight. Is she fighting for the belt again? She has to fight for the belt again. Who else is fighting for the belt again? Like, there's nobody else to fight for the belt again. You know, it's been about to come on, Dana, make the fight. We need Thug mm-hmm. Rose back in the back in the winner's circle. That's what we need. Well, he does like her. Well, maybe. Maybe this is all just a ploy that she'll start growing her hair out again. I don't know. Could happen. Possibly. That's right. She's got to take over the Paige Van Zandt role. We're doing so well until you had to mention her. You know, now it's not as serious. <laughs> now it's not. Now we're not serious. Now we're just. All roads lead to Paige Van Zandt. Apparently so. All right. Anything else you want to get in before uh, we wrap this up? 
Uh, no, I, I think uh, I think we've said it. I think we've said it all. Okay, Jennifer Hanna, the Money Mitch Effect, talking to UFC 259. Thank you for coming on. Best of luck on this fight card. Watching, rooting, except for the ones that disagree with me, of course. <laughs> yes, and hopefully your you know wallet doesn't get too flat. We'll see. I made it in advance on a few things, but uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Thank you again, Jennifer, for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, it was fun. All right, thanks again to both Matt Wittenberg and Jennifer Hanna for a fun, all-encompassing show. And that was going to do it for this week's Money Mitch Effect episode. You can catch every episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Leave your ratings, reviews, subscribe there. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We'll see how the fights go this weekend. We'll see how all these sports leagues progress as we move right away along into the spring weather. Hope everybody's doing safe. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.